We are back. And in this hour, we're talking about an 18-year-old student, Daryl George, who has not been in his regular classroom in Barbers Hill High School. Uh, this is a high school uh, in the Houston, Texas area since August 31st, because according to the school district, his hairstyle is violating the school's dress code. And State District Judge Chap Kane set a February 22nd trial in this lawsuit. And the lawsuit was actually filed by the school district, and they filed it for determination as to whether its dress code restrictions limits the length of boys' hair, whether their code actually violates the Crown Act. So the Crown Act, as I said, is a new Texas law which took effect in September. And that act prohibits race-based hair discrimination and bars employers and schools from penalizing people because of hair texture or protective hairstyles, including afros, braids, dreadlocks, twists, or bantu knots. Uh, joining me in this hour, Representative uh, Retta Bowers and Representative Carl Sherman, both uh, in the Texas State House. And they are the co-authors of the Crown Act that is front and center in this lawsuit. Thanks to both of you for joining me uh, in this hour. Let me start with you, uh, Representative Sherman. Why was there a need for Texas to have a Crown Act? Well, thank you, first of all, for having us on the show uh, this evening. Certainly, uh, this is something that you would think we would not have to have, but because of centuries of hair discrimination, hair texture discrimination, African-Americans have always uh, needed legislation to protect us in school, to protect us on the work in the workplace. And this is unfortunate, uh, but since the 15th century, when slave owners, Europeans, uh, brought us to these shores, uh, they felt that uh, our hair texture was akin to uh, wool, and so, therefore, uh, they uh, felt that uh, we were less than. And so it was a part of their savior mentality uh, to civilize us uh, by controlling our hairstyles. It makes no sense in any civilization, but uh, there is more on there that I know that Representative uh, Retta Bowers also would like to uh, talk about. Let me ask you this, uh, Representative Bowers. On the surface, Daryl George's hair looks like it is in compliance with, not in violation of the Crown Act, because all the pictures that I've seen in the media, he does have locks, but he has them twisted up into a style that is off of his uh, shoulders, his back. In fact, they're pulled up over his ears. So what are we missing about this story? Or, you know, does he wear his hair typically some other kind of way that, you know, suggests that it is in violation of the Crown Act? Well, thank you for the question. And firstly, thank you for having us. As my colleague, uh, Representative uh, Sherman said, uh, what I said last week when I was there with Daryl George is that exactly as you said, Ariba, is it? Am I saying that right? Correct. Okay. Thank you. He, he um, surely, well, his hair is neatly grown and he wears his hair in what is called barrel rolls. His hair is locked, but they're in barrel rolls. And it's neatly groomed. It's above his collar. Uh, doesn't go below, below his earlobes as their policy uh, requires uh, that it be above the earlobes and it be above the eyebrows. Um, he is in compliance with their policy the way he wears his hair. 
I would say, though, when I looked at the case, Ariba, uh, Exhibit 1, even in Exhibit 1, that they a picture they show of him in Exhibit 2, his hair is, though it is locked, it is, and, and down, per se, it still does not touch his collar. Um, he is in compliance, and, and the words they used is in terms of conformity, you know, really uh, stung and and really call for the type of assimilation that Representative Sherman was was um, alluding to. So, yeah, that word conformity came up, Representative Sherman, in this full page ad uh, that ran this month in the Houston Chronicle. Uh, Barbers Hill Superintendent Greg Poole uh, took out this ad with some funding from some private foundation and he maintained that the district's policy is not in violation of the Crown Act. How did that make you feel as an African-American man to see that a school superintendent would take out a four-page ad to basically disparage and to, uh, and what I felt like was malign this 18-year-old kid? Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's beyond acceptable when you're talking about attacking a child who is a good kid. And uh, this is his hair. This is his hair. Uh, the God that I serve gives us body autonomy, and he is within compliance of the standards. And so for us to file legislation uh, that is law now, it is the law. He is in violation, the superintendent, of honoring and upholding the law. We are lawmakers. We may be African-American. But we are lawmakers endowed with the power to pass legislation. And he is not in compliance, but he is simply following his forefathers from the 15th century. If he knew history, he would know that when they brought us here, they put us and codified us into areas with which they would define uh, a skin tone uh, and put us in status. And then after uh, certain uh, Men who uh, were not men raped uh, African-American women. Then their hair texture changed. And so then it became good hair and bad hair. That's where we still have this stain and trauma of history even today. There are so many people who think still that there is good hair and bad hair. The reality is it's just different hair. And if they read the Bible, they would see in Revelations chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, the one that they claim to be their savior is described as one with wool hair. Well, that doesn't seem like the European straight style hair, but that's another subject. <laughs> no, I understand. Let me ask you, Representative Bowers, you all, you, the two of you were at a hearing, right, this month related to this case. I assume the superintendent has access to both of you, can come into your offices, can meet with you. And if you all have been on the record stating that the legislative intent of the statute, the Crown Act that you passed or that you authored and then was passed in Texas, would protect Daryl George, why does the school district persist in opposing uh, his hairstyle choice? So thank you for that question as well, Ariva. Barbers Hill ISD is one of the bad actors and has been the bad acting school district 
even back when uh, that was in 2019, when it was DeAndre Arnold and his cousin that were being held from graduation and from walking the stage and from prom. Uh, and so uh, this is the same school district, same superintendent. And what I will say, um, in, in addition to it, if I might, is that Representative Sherman is, is one of what, four or five joint authors. And, and I am the primary author. I was there in Anahuac, Texas with our colleague uh, and chair of the Texas Legislative Black Caucus, uh, Chairman uh, Ron Reynolds. Um, and uh, we, we were there with the George family, with Daryl George and his attorney. And um, I will say it felt like to me Members of the Anahuac community, as well as the city of Houston, were certainly in support of the Crown Act. Uh, even those people in the small town of Anahuac, population from the 21 census, 1,962 1, people. It's a small town, and, you know, they, they changed the venue. Uh, to make sure that it was in a far more conservative place. But even people there in Anahuac said that they felt that it was ridiculous, that we in 2024 are still facing this type of race-based hair discrimination. Um, or so discrimination. you were there, Representative Bowers. Did the superintendent or anyone from his team ask your opinion about how this school district policy squares with the Crown Act? They didn't. And, and I'm going to say this. Uh, he uh, rep the representative they sent was um, David Bloom, the communications director for Barbers Hill ISD, uh, and he told me politely that all I had to do was call his office and we could have talked about it. And I said, "Well, I did call your office," and that's when he said, well, "Wait oh, a minute, hold on, hold on a second. Why? Why was it your responsibility to call his office? It's their school district policy. If they had any." doubts about how to interpret it, wouldn't it be their responsibility to reach out to your office? Absolutely. Absolutely. And he, he let me know, but I, I tell you what, I hadn't made it back to the district and he had already called my office. I thought that was, was ironic that now you want to talk to me. Well, is there any opportunity, do you think, uh, Representative Sherman, before this trial happens on February 22nd, before this young man is traumatized more, uh, for there to be some kind of resolution? I mean, is the school district at all willing, in your opinion, to, to back down and just let this young man come back and finish the school year? It is my hope, uh, Ariva, that they will uh, become sensible about this. It's my hope that they will understand that this is a child uh, and that he is focused on getting his education and so uh, I'm holding out for hope, but I have no uh, information that uh, says that this will happen. How about you, Representative Bowers? Have you heard anything to suggest that there could be some out-of-court settlement that would allow this, this trial to be taken off calendar and this young man to go back to school? It's already the end of January. Uh, by the time the trial, that's the end of February. So he could end up missing this entire school year. That that is that is what my uh, regretfully I I am afraid of. He's already missed eighty percent of his the school year, and um, I'll just say this: Judge Kane did give the attorneys the chance 
to go into the jury room and to deliberate, to discuss it, to um, try to come to some agreement. Um, when they came out, they were asking for a trial uh, and the trial was set. Uh, we did also ask that that he be given some type of a restraining order, uh, at least a temporary restraining order so he could get back to class. Uh, that wasn't granted, uh, but the hearing again was set. And lawmakers now will be able to to talk about legislative intent. So we are going to be given that opportunity through affidavits to talk about our legislative intent. Yeah, I was really disappointed because, as you said, this judge had the power to allow this young man to resume classroom attendance while this case, you know, worked its way through the courtroom. That happens all the time. He could have been in class receiving an education while the lawyers tried to negotiate an out of court settlement. And even while the court continued to press forward with the trial, but the, the judge refused to do so. Uh, and that was curious uh, to me. You've explained it's a conservative jurisdiction. It's a small town. Uh, you have to obviously in these kinds of cases, ask the question that's kind of the elephant in the middle of the room, which is the role of race. Uh, we know locks and other kinds of hairstyles aren't just worn by African-American students, but predominantly uh, it is going to be African-American students. Uh, when we come forward, I want to talk about the role of race uh, that you anticipated in this trial. And how are you all going to talk about legislative intent as they try to make some decisions about Daryl George? Stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. We are back. And in this hour, I am sitting down with Representative Bowers and Representative Sherman. They are both uh, members of the Texas State Legislature, uh, and they are co-authors of the Crown Act that was just uh, enacted in Texas, which is now the subject of a lawsuit that's been filed by a Houston area school district related to an 18-year-old student, George, uh, Daryl George's uh, wearing of dreadlocks, which the school says violates the school's dress policy, which they say is based primarily on the Crown Act. Now, George's family, that's the young man, they've also filed a formal complaint with the Texas Education Agency and a federal civil rights lawsuit against Governor Greg Abbott and Attorney General Ken Paxton. Uh, they've also sued the school district, alleging that they have failed to enforce the Crown Act. Now, the lawsuit is before a federal judge in Galveston, Texas. Uh, this school district, Barbers Hill, their same policy was previously challenged in May of 2020 in a federal lawsuit filed by two students. Now, both those students ended up withdrawing from the high school, but one returned after a federal judge did grant a temporary injunction, saying the student showed a substantial likelihood that his rights to free speech and to be free from racial discrimination would be violated if not allowed to return to campus. Uh, those lawsuits, as far as we know, are still pending. Well, let me ask you, uh, Representative Bowers, what's likely to happen at the Texas Education Agency level, uh, knowing what we know about Texas and Greg Abbott and how conservative uh, Texas has been around education issues? Is this family likely to get any relief from that Texas Education Agency? Thank you for that, that question as well, because the uh, Legal Defense Fund has been working with my office and uh, that of other lawmakers to make sure that TEA Commissioner Mike Morath is making sure 
that a letter goes out to all the school districts across the state so that they are in full compliance with the Crown Act as it was enacted on September 1st. Um, you know, it, it's ironic that the Crown Act was enacted on September 1 and Daryl George went into in-school suspension on August 31st. Um, well, and, let me ask you this, uh, Representative Bowers. Is the school saying that because the Crown Act wasn't in place in August when they put him in suspension that they didn't have to comply with the Crown Act? Is that one of their arguments? Not at all, because it was the day before and they were there were other school districts across the state that had question of some of their families and students coming to school with their hair braided. Um, but those those school dis school districts backed it up, you know, dialed it back. They said once their parents said the Crown Act will be law on September one, they dialed it back. They 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 weren't um, and, and and decided to adhere to the law. And I just think that and know that we're going to have to work more with TEA. Um, but I have to say this, at the State Board of Education, we have members of the State Board of Education that are working on behalf of and and that to make sure that, that the commissioner is making sure that schools are in compliance and, the, and that the legislation is enforced. So we're working from every angle that we can. Well, let me ask you this, Representative Sherman. Again, the school district, Barbara Hill, filed the lawsuit. Uh, and they filed the lawsuit for there to be a judicial determination about uh, the Crown Act and how it applied to their school dress code policy. I know you're not the lawyers representing the school district, but you, you've been close enough to this. Do you have any sense about what argument are they going to make? Are they going to rely on uh, what Representative Bauer said were some pictures or maybe uh, Daryl George's hair wasn't rolled up above his earlobes. Do you have any sense about what their evidence is going to be uh, to support their position? You know, uh, Mr. Martin, when you look at uh, even the written violation uh, that they have, they have stated that Daryl George was not in compliance if he were to let his hair down. That's a contingency. Uh, if he were to lay his or allow his locks to uh, come down. So even in that cited violation, it is not a violation. He is compliant. Uh, so I'm not sure what their argument is going to be other than they have been simply prejudicial and they've shown themselves to be prejudicial about this uh, issue when it comes to African-American young men uh, wearing their hair in locks. You know, when you look, and I, I have to put this in a historical context, Ms. Martin, when you look at our history since the 15th century and the Middle Passage, when our hair grew over the Middle Passage, they described what they saw, the Europeans, as dreadful. Mm -hmm. That's how we got that's the origin, that's the origin of the etymology of the word dreadlocks. It came from their response to seeing our hair matted and said it was dreadful. Their immediate action was to take control and shave our heads. Now, that is simply 
where we're dealing, what we're dealing with historically is that mm-hmm. there are people who believe that they should be able to determine what our hair looks like for it to be palatable or pleasing for their standards that they have established, which are not in conforming with our laws. Well, he, the uh, superintendent made it very clear that he has a, a view of what a good American looks like. And to him, a good American is someone who complies, who uh, you know acts in conformity with standards that have been set ironically or not so ironically by cisgender white males. I, I believe that would be you know who gets to set these rules that we're all supposed to comply with. But Representative Bowers, another thing the superintendent said was, or we're hearing, reported out is that there were other black students at the school who wore dreadlocks who did quote unquote comply. Are you aware of who these other students are? And I don't need you to name them, but have you seen either in person or photos of other black male students at the school who did have shorter dreadlocks? No, we have not. And they are singling out Daryl George. Um, There are students, Caucasian students uh, that had their hair actually beyond their collar, um, down their back, and they're male students, and those students have not been put in um, in school suspension at all. Oh, wait a minute. So, and what is the response of the school when when those students' uh, appearance is brought up? They were in class, uh, getting classroom instruction with along with their classmates. Um, from the picture that I saw, the picture that was sent to me, that student was in class. And has Daryl George, to your knowledge, has he reported the same, that he has seen white kids in this school with long hair or hair that's longer than the way he wears his? Absolutely. Ariva. when we were at the press conference last week prior to the hearing, uh, it was said that there were many students in Barbers Hill ISD that have their graduation pictures and they show their hair, uh, white males, longer than uh, beyond their their eyebrows, ears, and touching their collar or be or below the collar. What's the racial composition of this school, Representative Bowers, if you know? You know, I would have to get you those numbers. You know, again, Barbers Hill ISD outside of Houston, um, close to Anahuac. We drove through Mont Bellevue. But it's a small town, um, and I certainly um, can get you those numbers, hopefully, before tonight. But I mean, and I don't need the exact numbers, but is it predominantly white? Were there yes, you know, a handful of Black students? Yes, ma'am, it is. And, you know, how has the school, if at all, talked about race? Because obviously, uh, one of the allegations involving these other two young men was a violation of their freedom of speech, and they also... Uh, had a claim for racial harassment. Uh, you know, is that has that come up where Mr. George talks about feeling like he's being singled out, not just because of his hair, but because he is a black male? I, there at the press conference last week after the hearing, uh, because the media stayed, and that spoke to me as well, that the media came, they arrived prior to our arrival, sat through the hearing and they stayed after the hearing to hear the aftermath. And, and uh, Daryl George said it was, it's been stressful. Um, he mentioned frustration and he literally said that, uh, you know, it, it is ensuing anger within him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we come forward and talk about, you know, what else you can tell us about this young man. How is he doing? How is he handling this national spotlight that is on him? And where does the Crown Act in the state of Texas go from here? Stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580. We are back and Representative Carl Sherman uh, had to leave for some really good reasons. Uh, he's off to a campaign event and want to thank him for his contributions to this conversation. Uh, Representative Retta uh, Bauer stays with us. She is the Texas state representative who actually authored the Crown Act, which was passed into law in the state of Texas in September of last year. And she's been uh, involved with the Daryl George family. She was at the press conference that was held uh, before a hearing uh, to determine, in this case, whether this case will move forward to trial. And we now know there is a February 22nd trial date. Uh, we were talking a little, Representative Bowers, about Daryl George. He's 18 years old. He's got this incredibly bright, you know, uh, light on him, his hair, his uh, school records. His mom has been uh, attacked in the media. I read somewhere where the someone on the school district said that the mothers or the kids' lawyers said they wanted to bankrupt the school. So I have to imagine that, as you said, this is very stressful for him. He's not in the classroom with his friends and his peers. He's off-site at some other location. Uh, you were there at the press conference and the hearing. Tell us how he's doing, you know, from the best that you can determine having spent some time with him. You know, I, thank you again. I, I was surprised uh, to see uh, how well at 18 he's handling uh, this type of pressure and spotlight. Um, but I saw him show great compassion for his mother uh, as mm. she as she cried real tears uh, for uh, her son being singled out and discriminated against in this way. And um you know, when I asked him, you could tell, I asked him, you know, without the cameras, how are you doing? And he said, you know, like any typical 18-year-old, he said, I'm I. He said, I'm I. That's literally what he said. And and um, when he when he was asked in, in front of the cameras, that's when he began to talk about how it really was making him feel. Uh, what really stuck out for me is when he was asked, are you ready to go back to school? Do you want to be back in class? He could hardly contain himself. And he 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 used some profanity and he he apologized. You know, he as as Representative Sherman said, he's a good kid that wants to be in class, that wants to uh have the education that he rightfully and constitutionally deserves. Yeah, I mean, we have to imagine that this is a heavy, heavy burden for not just him, but his entire family. Uh, we yeah. know this country is so divided. We know Texas in particular uh, is, is not a welcoming state in a lot of these situations. And particularly, we know there are you know, issues with uh, your governor. I'm just wondering, how are folks in the Texas legislature? So obviously, to get this bill passed, Yes. Uh, it had to, you had to get the support of your Republican. Did you, well, let me ask this question. I shouldn't make an assumption. Did you have support from Republican lawmakers? All right. Thank you, Gay. I, I, can't, I'm, I was going to mention this anyway, but out of the five joint authors, I made sure we had one Republican joint author. And 
our joint authors represented Chair Ron Reynolds that I mentioned before, Representative Carl Sherman, who we heard from tonight, Representative Tony Rose, uh, and Representative B Brad Buckley. Um, they are the four, four joint authors that I selected, I asked, they agreed. I'm so grateful for their support. They, um, Which one is the know, Republican? Re Representative Brad Buckley. Um, you know, he's he's in the Colleen um, area near, um, I think it was Fort Hood, but um, it escapes me right now, what it, Fort Cavazas, it's changed to Fort Cavazas, but he's in that area and in near Salado. And he, all of them were very supportive both times that we filed the Crown Act because we had filed it in a previous session. But I will say this. There was no way we could have passed it without the support of um, our Republican colleagues. It came out of the Texas House 143 to 5. So if that tells you about the bipartisan support that we had for this legislation, um, it, it should speak for itself. And when we sent it over to the Senate, it was received by our lieutenant governor, Dan Patrick, as a bipartisan bill because of that 143 to 5. It came out of the Senate and back to us, Ariva, 29 to 1. Again. Overwhelming support. Yes. Yes. And then signed, obviously, by Greg Abbott. So now fast forward. So overwhelming Republican support out of a very conservative state house. Yes. Now this case. I mean, it, it's not even fresh off the press. It probably hasn't even been printed in books yet. And now it's front and center in this legal case. Are your Republican colleagues still standing in support? Do they also believe that the school district's interpretation of the Crown Act is inaccurate? They really are. And, you know, our governor had us in four special sessions after the regular session um, last year. And the, the representative that does have Barbara Seal came over to me and said that she told their superintendent that she supported the Crown Act and that what he was doing with Daryl George was wrong. So okay, well, they, let me ask you this. So if the legislative body feels this way, uh presumably your Department of Education, because if your your governor supports the bill, then his appointee over the education department, you know, is going to follow the lead of the governor. How come the the, the state hasn't stepped in and ordered this superintendent to change, you know, his position on this case. You know, what has been brought uh, to us and mentioned to us is that we possibly will need to amend uh, the Crown Act. I don't believe that we need to. What but would I'm that not be? I'm not beyond doing, amending it in some way and form or fashion, but I tell you what my thought has been, Ariva, if we have to amend it, for this one case, that would mean how many other school districts could come forward and ask us to amend it over and over and over again. So, I, well, I, let me I ask you this: What is it about the Crown Act that they say is ambiguous that requires some amendment? What would the amendment look like? The fact that they are claiming that it doesn't mention length in any way, um, so therefore, that is why Daryl George is is non-compliant. Mm. He is non-compliant because it doesn't mention length. But I tell you what, uh, we made sure that protective styles 
were were spelled out. Bantu knots, locks, twists, braids. And if I tell you, I don't know anyone who, who wears locks for them to be worn short. And I can tell you that protective styles are just what they are. They are protective, made to protect our hair so that we can grow our hair. Well, you know, that, so, this is an interesting argument. Let me just stop here because under that theory that it doesn't mention length, so if I came to school with an Afro, does, can the school district claim, well, wait a minute, it's a protective style or it's a natural style, but we don't like the length of the, the hairstyle. I'm kind of concerned, like you are, that that's a slippery slope to go down in terms of this amendment, because what about color? Does it mention color? A lot of kids like pink and green and blue. And it doesn't. And so there again, we with those affidavits, we will have to explain our legisl legislative intent. Um, and I, I'm grateful that we do have that opportunity to to share that. I am really grateful uh, that we have an opportunity to testify, that we have the opportunity to give the legislation some history, to set precedents, to also make sure that, that it has some backbone to stand and some legs to stand on. No, and I'm really glad, too, that you all as legislators who uh, just sponsored the bill and all bills have a rich legislative history, people who maybe don't know how the bill making process works. Uh, that's where you can learn a lot about what legislators were thinking, like what's the history, what's the motivation uh, and what they intend for this bill to cover. Uh, it's it's really, though, shameful that given how much you and the other co-authors have spoken openly about your legislative intent, that this judge uh, didn't find that to be ample evidence to allow this young man to remain in school, that, again, that there hasn't been some other executive level action uh, by either the Secretary of Education or the governor or someone, because superintendents are, are not beyond uh, reproach and they have to be held accountable as well. Uh, mm -hmm. So I just hope that this superintendent, who now seemingly is, is racking up a lot of complaints against him in terms of how he treats African-Americans, uh, learn something from this and that no other kid ever has to become the poster child uh, for exercising their rights, their rights to free speech and their rights to be free of racial harassment and discrimination. Thank you so much. Uh, we are out of time. Representative Bowers, we really appreciate your work and your advocacy. So, so, so important. And thank you for spending time with me uh, in this hour. When we come forward, Robin Ayers in the Raw Report right here on KBLA Talk 1580.